The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, here with our lead draft and film analyst, Kent Swanson, Nick Price behind the glass. And don't adjust your radio. The Chiefs do play the Raiders today at (laughs) 3.05 p.m. Central Time. We're going a little bit early because of the Royals. Royals taking on the Houston Astros today at the K, uh, 115. So we'll take it up to the on-deck show at noon, but... Until then, we'll be talking Chiefs. Kent, are you ready? Raider week come early this year. The final Raider week in Oakland. The final game on dirt with a dirt infield (laughs) in Oakland. Gross. Of course, it has to be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs playing that game. The Arrowhead Pride tailgate, of course, is driven by Aristocrat Motors, Kansas City's home of luxury automobiles for over 50 years. The Arrowhead Pride tailgate is the loudest, fastest pregame show in, in Kansas City. If you want to get involved today, you can get you can do so on the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line 69306. We're going to do a live mailbag in hour two. So if you have a question for Kent and I to talk about, discuss, uh, we'll take those in the second hour. Use mailbag in the text 69306. But right now, it's three storylines to know. Storylines. First of three, how do the Chiefs respond in a full game without Tyreek Hill? And I think with that, naturally, is that Sammy Watkins game for real? Yeah, no, Sammy Watkins is going to be getting a lot more attention this week. Uh, and But I still think he should be able to produce through it. There's going to be some adjustments that are going to be have, have to have to be made to this offense, obviously. I wonder if McCole Hardman gets some more opportunities, if he's a guy that's stretching teams down the field. Um, and there's a lot of other things in play with just the Tyreek Hill injury, the Eric Fisher injury, the Patrick Mahomes injury. 
a lot of things are going to be have to have to be tweaked and adjusted. So uh, let's let's see if they're if they're going with quick game a little bit more to try to help alleviate some of those things. It, there's a lot up in the air about this offense. To me, it's Andy Reid too. I mean, you think about the fantasy football aspect of this, and everyone's like, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. Andy's the type of guy. Now you got your focus on Sammy. Let's dial up 87. Like I think today's an 87 Travis Kelsey type of game. Someone's still going to eat on this offense. It's just a matter of who the Raiders choose to try to take away. Still, even though, like I know Pat, Bill Belichick gets a lot of the credit for trying to make teams play left-handed and focus on one guy. Every team does it to some regard. And let's see who the Raiders to choose to go. Uh, you know, try to eliminate from this game. The Raiders are coming off of a pretty good win. Uh, it was a national game, Monday Night Football. Probably a lot of Chiefs fans watched it if you stayed up late. The Raiders defeating the Denver Broncos 24-16. to I wonder, is it more the Raiders being good or the Broncos on the decline? I, I tend to think it's a little bit, bit of both. Kent, coming off of Monday Night Football, are the Raiders actually better? Oh, they're definitely better. And, I mean, even just looking at their pass rush, who had an abysmal 13 sacks last season, the entire season, they already have shown growth. Uh, even up front, they've got a lot more talent on that side of the ball on defense. And I think Derek Carr is a little bit more comfortable with what John Gruden's asking him to do. So they, they're an improved football team. I don't know how improved. Is it is it a six-win team, eight-win team now? I don't know. You know what? I, I, I You hate to say this as a reporter and an, an, analyst, an, an analyst in Kansas City, uh, but Jonathan Abram is a player that I really like. I mean... Not so much his personality on Hard Knocks, but I really was enjoying the way <laughs> he plays the game. Like, he looks like a player you don't want your offensive players to right. run into. They lose him for the year. We're going to get the injury report in a second. But I just think that's a crucial blow for that defense. That's a big blow. And it's a guy that was trying to help on the defensive side of the ball. A guy that you don't want your players running into. He's got a little bit of an intimidation factor because he's a little bit unpredictable. But now he's not going to be able to play. Actually sounds like he played through a torn labrum for part of that game in week one. So uh, it, it's a big blow for the Raiders to, to lose him this year. Pending a complete disaster, storyline three is this will be the last Chiefs-Raiders game in Oakland. I mean, that is not 100% true. I mean, there's a scenario where the Chiefs could play in Oakland again. Very, very, very <laughs> unlikely. Uh, but here it is. I mean, and the Chiefs have an opportunity to win more times than they lose in Oakland forever. I kind of want that to happen pretty bad. I know it's just it's week two of the season, but that storyline and the Chiefs being able to be up on Oakland uh, is kind of important to me, I think, as a Chiefs fan. So uh, I, I hope it happens. I hope everyone stays healthy. This is the last game on the dirt. So uh, a lot up there. So this is from our friend, friend of friend of the show, BJ Kissel, Chiefs.com. Tremendous work. The Chiefs are 20-19-1 all time against the Raiders in Oakland Coliseum. So the, so the best that can happen is the Raiders could win and tie it up but again if the Chiefs win 20 21 19 and one all time uh kind of one of those those stadiums I, I I know we joke about this with the Chargers but it'll be a little bit Arrowhead West type of feel yeah probably uh, the Chiefs have been traveling well just in general uh especially with with the way the teams look but uh, I anticipate there to be plenty of red there this week it's going to be a, an emotional week and we'll see how the uh, Raiders can back bounce back because they they came off an emotional win on Monday night yeah, the Raiders and the Eagles always stand out as those fan bases where you don't really want to mess with wearing the opposing team's jersey in, in their stadium. Uh, and I, I, I feel for all the guys and and the brave Chiefs fans that are that are wearing Chiefs jerseys headed into Oakland. Though. Yeah, you, you got to be a little bit crazy. Uh, you got to be a little bit crazy, but I anticipate we'll still we'll still see some out there.
Now moving on to the injury report. The injury report is brought to you by Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses people at WeBuyUglyHouses.com. For the Chiefs, we'll start on the Chiefs side. Wide receiver Tyree Kill is out with that shoulder. I'm not even going to try to say the injury. It's a clavicle type of deal that he has. We all know uh, Hill won't be playing in this game. Uh, Eric Fisher injured his groin during practice uh, on Friday. And overnight, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network uh, has said it's a long shot for Fisher to play. And, and that that's an interesting part of this game. Suddenly you wonder what the Chiefs do. I think the favorite scenario for, for the most likely thing they do is put Cam Irving in there. They're, they're, you could also put Wiley out there and put Cam Irving at left guard. You could go really radical and move Mitch Schwartz to the other side. But I think the most likely thing is we see Cam Irving. I, I'm anticipating Cam Irving. And if you watched Cam Irving during the preseason, that should scare you a little bit especially with Patrick Mahomes hobbled a little bit. That's an important piece of this because, you know, the guy that is normally able to account for pressure quick in his face or maybe a bad protection or a bad play by his offensive line has typically been Patrick Mahomes going out and running around and create. And I think there's a little bit of a question mark about whether or not he's going to be the guy that's able to do those kind of things. So how do you account for that? How do you fix that? I think you you might have you might see them trying to get the ball out of the out of the hands of Mahomes quick like they did in uh, the second half against the Jaguars, and that leads us to the other discussion. And, and Mahomes practiced fully all week, but you could see it on video. We tweeted it out: Twitter.com/slash/ArrowheadPride. Video of Mahomes moving a little bit more gingerly, um, and I think it's going to take away from some of the things we see that make Mahomes Mahomes today. And, and so this is starting to feel like a little bit of a perfect storm where. I don't know if it's necessarily a trap game, but it's a game that's concerning you probably more than when you first looked at it on the schedule. I'm extremely concerned about this, even though, I mean, and look, the Raiders' pass rush has improved. They were still abysmal last year. They improved, so they should be able to help. To, they should be able to affect the quarterback a little bit this week still. Um, and it, honestly, I kind of look at this game as a chance for Patrick Mahomes to kind of add to that legacy because there's been a lot of times where, you know, last year, you, you're, you're seeing him do all these things. You're seeing him exceed all these expectations. And you're, you keep saying, oh, there's no way that he can right. continue to do this. There's no way he can go in and do this. And he's he's done it all. Yeah, but, we've never seen, I, I think, so far a game where he's probably truly going to be playing a little banged up. I mean, today, it's good. it should be apparent early, I think. I don't, I don't think he'll start the game with an injured ankle. I just worry if he takes a hit. Like, it, it may impact the game. Well, how much he has to move on that ankle, too. Yeah. Like, if you can let him go in there and be, a, you know, kind of a stationary player for the majority of the game, I think that helps him. So, if they play, if they take something out of the out of the Raiders' playbook and, you know, Derek Carr got the ball out in under 2.2 seconds uh, on average last week, maybe this is a game very where Very Gardner see, Minshew of him. Yes, very Gardner <laughs> Minshew of him. So, like, maybe you see a little bit more of that, a little bit more dink and dunk. Maybe a little bit more Alex Smithian type offense this week, just oh. to try to help protect Mahomes. And also, do I have to hit the drop button? Again, on, <laughs> I know, on that right? curse word that you just made. I don't even want to say it, but I mean, Alex had no problem beating the Raiders in his time, so you know, it, <laughs> no, it, it Alex, could be it could be worse. Alex is no Mahomes, but he did find a way to win, turn the franchise around. He gets that credit. On the Raiders side, we already talked about Abram. He goes to injured reserve with that shoulder surgery, a huge blow uh, for the Raiders, who were counting on him this year. Offensive lineman Gabe Jackson and, and wide receiver J.J. Nelson are out. Uh, not a big impact, I think, on, on Nelson being out. Uh, Gary Conley, uh, the cornerback, he's back in the mix, uh, and it's incredible because he left on a stretcher in Monday Night Football, and he's managed to uh, be questionable for this game. So is Corey Leggett. Uh, punter A.J. Coyle, uh, I don't know 
what happened, but suddenly, <laughs> late Friday afternoon, I don't know if he was going to the bathroom, dropped a Lysol bottle on his foot. He's questionable uh, to go in this game. And that, that, that the punter being uh, questionable will impact you. I mean, you hate to see it. I mean, is John just going to go out there and go for it on fourth down every down? You're like, I don't know. We have nothing to lose. So are we going to see a hyper-aggressive Raiders team too? Of these questionable guys, I tend to think everybody goes except for Fisher. I mean, I, I think... yeah. Because when Ian Rappaport reports something like and says long shot, I mean, that's pretty much in stone. He gets that information probably from someone on the team and says, yeah, I mean, we're going to be with Adam. I mean, it was within 12 hours of the game starting, too. So there's not a lot that can really change. I think he, he tweeted out at like 4 a.m. this morning. So, I mean, not a lot can change in 11 hours when you're trying to recover from an injury that just happened a couple days ago. Yeah, again, uh, on that injury, again, a number of scenarios. The most likely one is that Cam Irving will just slide in there. He could also go to left guard with Wiley sliding out. Potentially, Mitch Schwartz will have more information as we get closer to the game today at 305. If it was like week 12, we might see Martinez Rankin, who the Chiefs traded Carlos sure. Hyde for. He's a guy that played tackle last year and started some games at tackle last year. But, yeah, I, I think your your best bet's probably Cam Irving. And that's <laughs> that's the thing that people forget too, and and we'll get into more about McCole Hardman today. I mean, players can improve as the year goes on. So week twelve version of McCole Hardman is probably a lot better of a player than week two, which is what we're getting today. We're going to get into more of that absolutely uh, after the break. We'll, after the break, we'll dig deeper into the game with the guys who watch the film, Craig Stout and Matt Lane, plus everyone's favorite Craig's beer of the week. That's next. The Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. One loves defense and beer. The other loves offense and protein shakes. You can have a great plan, and guess what? That goes on someone does magic, and they can just make stuff happen. Here is Arrowhead Pride's Craig Stout and Matt Lane. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate, driven by Aristocrat Motors, Kansas City's home of luxury automobiles for over 50 years. And we welcome in our defensive film analysts, at ArrowheadPride.com, Craig Stout. How are you doing this morning, Craig? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm coming to you live from the Cedric County Zoo. So if you guys need any <laughs> animal noises to clip and play later, I got them for you today. We already got the goat in Patrick Mahomes, so I think I think we're okay. Um, as far as this game goes, you got you dove into the film. You were the one that had to watch this film last year of the Bob Sutton defense. What did you make of the defense in your first look against the Jaguars? You know, I thought it was pretty vanilla. I thought that they were keeping things pretty close to the best, especially after the rookie quarterback came in. So they were just really kind of trying to make sure that they didn't tip their hand for later on in the season. Uh, they got the ball out quickly, kind of nullifying some of the Chiefs' pass rush. They're going to need to face against that today. So Steve Segnall is probably going to rotate a little bit and have some more press man scheme at the line of scrimmage this week. I think you're seeing that in some of the better pocket quarterbacks in the National Football League. Like Tom Brady comes to mind, Phillip Rivers comes to mind, where they get the ball out quick. And Derek Carr does that. And so how do you think the Chiefs kind of counteract that today? Well, Steve Spagnuolo talked about that a little bit. He talked about how he needed to play a little tighter coverage this week and that he needed to disrupt the target since he wasn't going to be able to disrupt the quarterback right. as much this week. So I do think that they're going to have to keep their hands up, the line of scrimmage, deflect some with the passer or with the defensive line, and kind of force the receivers to beat some press at the line of scrimmage. Now, when you say coverage, and there's going to be an emphasis on that today, I'm going to speak for every Chiefs fan here because I, I follow the mentions. <laughs> Can Travarius Ward be counted on for that? I, I feel like he's just going to be the target all year until the Chiefs make a transaction. 
And and the way that the Raiders played against the Broncos, they constantly rotated the receiver that they wanted to get the ball to over Isaac Yottam yeah. against the Broncos. They will target a guy. Listen, Charvarius Ward, if he's playing in a press scheme, is going to be better than we've seen him in the preseason and in week one where he was playing with that off coverage. He doesn't feel the route very well from off-man coverage or a zone coverage. If they can put him in press, he's going to feel the route stem a little bit better. Derek Carr wants to get the ball out quickly, so there will be times that he's just going to throw the ball even if the coverage is tight. That's going to be fine. Tarverius Ward can do that this week. I think we might see a little bit better version of him this week. Charverius Ward trying to shake those Philip Gaines, Terrence Mitchell vibes. Had uh, to bring them up. <laughs> Besides Ward, uh, Craig, in this game, one player to watch for you on the Chiefs defense. I think that this game is an Anthony Hitchens game. He talked about being able to line everybody up successfully this past week, except for one play that right. actually did pretty well on. This is going to be a run-first, quick-pass offense. He's got to make sure that everybody's in the right spots because – Technique and scheme are going to matter more than just about anything else this week. Anthony Hitchens making sure everybody's on the same page and playing fast is going to be paramount for the success of this week. The one thing Craig likes just as much as defense is beer. What are you drinking this week? This week I'm drinking Colorado Wild Sage from Crooked Stave Artisan Ales. It is a 7.2% Saison with lemongrass and sage. It is amazing. If you like Tank 7, if you like Boulevard Brett Saison, you like this beer, go out and find it. 7.2. Drink only a few of those before the game, Craig. Uh, Last thing before I get you out, prediction for the game. Prediction for the game. I'm saying 35-17 Chiefs. I think the offense is going to move the ball just fine against the Raiders' defense. And I think that Steve Spagnuolo, with a week of game tape to look at, is going to be able to make a little bit bigger of a difference than we saw last week. You can catch Craig Stout's instant breakdown of the game right after uh, Chiefs Raiders on ArrowheadPride.com. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me, guys. Now switching gears to the other side of the football, Matt Lane here to talk about the Chiefs offense. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing great. We got Raiders week here, so can't be anything but excited. I think the biggest breaking news of this game is that Eric Fisher probably won't go. When you hear that, what does that mean to you? That's not great news, especially coming off a game where the offensive line may not have been as good as Chiefs fans would have hoped, and then Patrick Mahomes is nursing an ankle injury right now. You're just not sure about the mobility that Pat's going to have there in the backfield, and then now you're going to put in what looked to be a struggling backup offensive tackle situation in the starting lineup. It's definitely a cause for concern. Thankfully, it's the Raiders' defense, which last year was the worst at getting after the quarterback in the NFL. They added some help this offseason. They looked better in the first week, but they aren't going up against the Jaguars' defensive line again, which should be a good thing. Maddie, what do you expect the Chiefs to do this week to help uh, whoever starts at left tackle to protect a hobbled Patrick Mahomes. You're going to get a lot of the same stuff I think you saw in the second half against the Jaguars, which the ball was coming out in under two and a half seconds pretty routinely. Heavily used on the RPOs, the screen game, get the ball to pass hands, let the receivers, the skill positions do the work in the after the catch. Last week, like I was talking about, Patrick Mahomes had a time to throw of 2.41 seconds. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet that it was even less than that in the second half. So you're going to see a lot more of the quick game, I think, this week than you saw the start last week versus the Jaguars. Everybody has been crazy about what Sammy Watkins was able to do last week. 
in your eyes, can he repeat that, or will Andy Reid be dialing someone like McCole Hardman or Travis Kelsey? Who's going to be the focal point of the Chiefs' offense this week? I think the Raiders' defense really struggled to defend Cortland Sutton, especially over the middle of the field against the Broncos. And Sutton's another big-bodied kind of possession-type wide receiver for the Broncos. I wouldn't be surprised to see Sammy Watkins have a lot of success in the same in-breaking route that the Sutton was being used on. That's always been a strength. And the Chiefs love to use Sammy Watkins over the middle of the field. So while I don't predict a three-touchdown, 200-yard game, I definitely think he's going to play a big role here being the primary receiving target, and then he just happens to fit perfectly into what the Raiders struggled against last week. Matty, you're a big fan of the NFL drafts. I, I know you, you really get excited for younger players, but the Chiefs are, are working with two running backs now, probably in Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy, who will be sharing the football. How do you see uh, that progressing this week? you think we see more touches from McCoy? I think so, especially rushes. I think McCoy's going to start slowly taking the burden on the actual rushing attempts. He just seems like a more natural runner, and especially if you're going to get an offensive line at the left tackle spot that may not be creating the biggest holes, I think it would be better to get the veteran guy that sees the field a little bit better, more yeah. touches as an actual runner. As a receiver, pretty even split still. I think Damian's long speed gives him an edge there. He's a little bit more dynamic when he just has to go in a straight line than McCoy at this time in his career. But as a runner, I think McCoy's going to start taking the line share this week. One key, give us one key that you need to see from the Chiefs today for them to pull out this victory. They're just going to give Patrick Holmes just enough time. doesn't have to be a lot of time. Just give him just enough time because the Raiders' secondary is banged up. Chiefs' skill positions, even without Tyreek Hill, is going to be plenty good. Just got to give Patrick Holmes just enough time to see the field, make the throws, and I think that they're not going to be able to stop the Chiefs from putting up a lot of points. Matt Lane, one of our film analysts at OurHeadPride.com. We'll get you out on this. Prediction for the game, score prediction, and just a few reasons why. I think the loss Eric Fisher does show up a little bit. So instead of going over 30 points again, I have the Chiefs winning 27-16. to 16. I just think the offense, like I said, if they have enough time, the Raiders secondary is not revamped enough to slow down these weapons. As long as the offensive line is semi-passable, I think the Raiders can't keep up. Music to the ears of Chiefs fans. That's Matt Lane, Our Head Pride. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, guys. Go Chiefs. There you go. Matt Lane. Two, two, two guys two guys predicting victories uh, in this game. I'm going to predict victory, too, but we'll save that <laughs> for later. Anyone that's not picking them should, you know. Premier picks coming up to end the show a little bit later. we also got to do a, a mailbag. Uh, so if you want to get your question in, use the word mailbag to our protein house. Eat with a purpose. Text line 69306. Now it's time for the AP Player Spotlight. Let's go. Under the Spotlight. Kent, your player to watch in Chiefs Raiders. Frank Clark. You know, I think Frank Clark did, did some good things. He was a little bit quiet on the stat sheet, I know, but he did draw some holding calls, and he apparently had an interception, but none of us got to see it. <laughs> if uh, CBS doesn't air it, Kent, it doesn't happen. <laughs> I guess so. I, I'm going to have to check the stats and, and make sure. But, uh, you know, Frank Clark, He, I still think he made an impact last week. I expect him to make a little bit more this week. He's a guy that should have some success against a guy like Colton Miller. He had he ate his lunch last year when he was playing with Seattle. Uh, and even if Derek Carr's like getting the, ate his lunch. He did. He ate his lunch. Delicious. <laughs> if he, uh, you know, he's going to disrupt the passer still. He's going to be able to disrupt that quick passing game, even though Derek Carr's going to get in the ball out of his hands really quick. The other thing with, with how quick Derek Carr's been getting rid of the ball, both he and Emmanuel Ogba, uh, also, you know, Alex Okafor, Chris Jones. I think those guys disrupting the passing lanes, getting up 
with their long arms to try to, you know, get some pass deflections at the line of scrimmage is going to be pretty important. And it's something that all these guys have had success with in the past. So that could be pretty important, too. You know, who has got long arms, too, is Tano Passanio. And Spags has found, yeah. a, found a way to use him. Uh, back to Frank Clark, though. Uh, Clark was up against a third string last game. And he was relatively quiet, and you could tell he wasn't happy with that effort. It was all right. Um, I feel like it's finally over with. I feel like that was a lot of anticipation for myself and from everybody else, my family, uh, just a lot of people. But I feel like um, now you get to that point where you can kind of play football uh, myself personally, which is what I'd rather do. What I take away from that is he finally feels settled in. And you saw this with Mahomes at the beginning of last year. You're juiced up when you're on it for a new team. Now it's becoming a little bit more routine, a little bit more of the norm. I predict, and I'm kind of with you, a bounce-back game from Clark. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Two sacks for Clark today. Woo! That would be uh, that would be helpful. That would be helpful this week. No, I, I think it's understandable if he did start a little bit uh, a little bit amped up, trying really hard. This He just signed a massive contract. He just earned his money in the National Football League this offseason. So I could see him being a, you know, trying a little bit too hard. I do anticipate he's going to be a little bit more comfortable this week. And, yes, he's going to have a good day. So my AP player spotlight, we go from Clark uh, to the offensive side of the football. Tyreek Hill exits door left. You know, he's got that injury probably out for at least four weeks, three or four weeks at least. Could be as many as six from all the reports. But Cole Harden, you know, he got some time last week. Didn't really make a, a ton of an impact uh, on the offensive side of the football for the Chiefs. Here's Eric Bieniemy on why Hardman's ready to fill that void. Since we've been here, we've always had an X-man-up approach. We coach our starters to be the starters, but we also coach our guys who are backing those guys up in key positions to be starters and to take their job. So it's his job now to make sure that he that we don't lose anything with him being out there. He understands the uh, responsibility and the accountability that he has to his teammates and uh, the people in that room and also to... Uh, to Tyreek as well. So our guys get that, they understand that, and they live upon that. And so we're looking forward to him getting out there and making the most of the opportunity that he's being presented with. And the good thing is, too, for Hardman, he's a young guy, uh, and Tyreek Hill, you could see it on the practice field this week. He's in a sling, and he's guiding him along, uh, making sure that he knows, you know, providing all that knowledge. It's it's a complete team. He's not. There's not, no worry of anyone losing their spot. Here's uh, McCole Hardman on Tyreek Hill. I know we, we've been in the bond. We've been in a relationship together with each other. You know, um, every day in practice, every day in the locker room, we talk more and more, man, and we started to build a brotherhood, build a bond. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I hated happen, what happened, but she, like I told him, I'm holding down for him. I know he expects great things out of me. I expect great things out of myself, and um, I can't let him down. What does it say about him that he's so supportive? Oh, no, he's he a great teammate. He's a, he a great person, man. Um, you know what I'm saying? He's a leader in our room, and um, so, you know, I expect, I expect him to say something like that. And, um, you know, we, I learned from him a lot, and um, so I'm just going out there ready to play and um, just, you know, represent. Your AP player spotlight, Frank Clark and McCole Harden. But when we come back, we're going to go through the sounds of the game. Eric Bieniemy has some interesting words on the no-look pass. That's next. The Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show. They accept the challenge of people not believing in, in what we can accomplish here. With Pete Sweeney and Kent Swanson. We're really trying to you know, build a defense with an attitude. Now, it's time for Sounds of the Game. You know, we come here to win, and we want to be the best. Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound. Arrowhead Pride, Sounds of the Game. Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound. Kansas City's home for car audio since 1967. We're going to start with the Chiefs offensive coordinator, Patrick Mahomes, 
had a no-look pass last week that kind of went uh, over Travis Kelsey's head. Just a little bit. Here's Eric Bieniemy on the no-look pass. I asked him, you know, are you a fan of this? Are you a fan of the no-look pass? Where do you fall on that spectrum? <laughs> I'm a fan when it works. <laughs> uh, I mean, Pat was being Pat. You know, I mean, obviously you want the kid to be who he is, but at the same time you want him to make sure he's doing the right thing at the right time. He understands what he did, and nothing else needs to be said. That's about as much as you're going to get from EB not kind of liking something. It wasn't It wasn't a complete endorsement, exactly. Um, it, I, I, I laughed when he laughed, honestly, uh, when I heard it the first time. It, 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 was, it was a questionable play there. Like I, I understand what Mahomes was trying to do. He's trying to move that underneath defender, try to give himself a little bit more space. The, you, the problem is if he looks, it's a touchdown. I mean, that's, 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 the, the thing. that's a fact. Even I think when Mahomes was mic'd up uh, during the game, I believe, uh, or no, no, I think he said it in, in his post-game press conference or one of his press conferences this week. He said he probably could have put eyes on him late, which is right. <laughs> I mean, he, he could have done everything he did and then maybe just look to see exactly where he was late and, and probably scored a touchdown. That would That would have been fun. The Chiefs and the Raiders are, are two of the long-standing rivals back to the a- AFL days. And, uh, again, in recent years, it just hasn't felt as passionate because the Raiders just haven't been as good. Anthony Hitchens this week asked about the Chiefs-Raiders rivalry. Yeah, uh, it's blatantly clear that they don't like each other, and it's uh, it's awesome to be a part of it. I've uh, uh, seen some videos, old videos of the past, and uh, we actually watched uh, – little old video today, uh, Coach Bag showed. So it's, it's a great rivalry. Uh, they don't like us and we don't like them. So but at the end of the day, we are, we are here trying to win a football game. Uh, and, you know, by any means, that's all we're trying to do is win a football game. Steve Spagnuolo has been with the New York Giants. He's been with the St. Louis Rams as the head coach. He's been with the Philadelphia Eagles. So he comes to Kansas City. And he shows the defensive guys a video of Chiefs Raiders. You gotta love that. Yeah, it was a it was a kind of a YouTube uh, video, and Len Dawson was on. You you probably, probably have all seen it. I mean, I'm sure it's, but it it depicted uh, what the rivalry is all about. In a look at, I can't do justice verbalizing it. So you put the video on, and I think the guys get a little better feel for it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I the the rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Is it dead? You think it's dead? Are they just blowing steam a little I, bit here? I just i I don't have the same kind of emotion about the Raiders week that I used you to. You feel a little bit more for the Broncos, I think, because their their fans, I think, are a little bit more active on Twitter, and they always point back to that recent Super Bowl. the the brink The Broncos like to run their mouth a lot the, on on social media, and you do kind of get them living in the glory days a little bit from you know a recent Super Bowl where Peyton Manning and his you know, dead arm were able to win a game on the back of their defense, but whatever. <laughs> uh, with the Raiders, Cam Newton, who, by the way, on Thursday night uh, looks like his career's over. Unfortunately, it was, it but... was rough. Uh, he looked really bad, but no, the Raiders, the Raiders rivalry is kind of dead for me. I and I and so, it's, it'll be interesting to see when it moves to Vegas because I think the Chiefs are going to kind of Chiefs fans are probably going to take over Vegas is, whenever that happens. It's insane. Like that is insane to me. Because um, you go to you go to Vegas, right? And, and you'll you'll probably get more attended games. You'll probably make more money. But every game is going to be a 50-50 game there. It's, yeah. Because uh, opposing fans are going to plan their vacation around that. Yeah, it's kind of like how the Chargers play 16-row games a year now. You know, it, it's it's kind of a money I grab say for them. I, I say that the fact that the Chiefs and Chargers are in Mexico City actually hurts the Chiefs because you see how they fill up uh, that stadium. They call it something different now. That soccer stadium in L.A. I mean, 
probably less Chiefs fans will be at the game because it's in Mexico City. There's a lot of Chiefs fans who tried to go last year that ended up couldn't or, or ended up uh, not being able to attend the game because they moved it to LA at the last minute. Yeah, it's only getting bigger for the Chiefs fans across America. I mean, think about what happened in Jacksonville last week. They had a ton of people there, so uh, you know it, the things keep growing and and. I, I I wonder. I'm curious to see how many people show up for the game today. So it's again Chiefs Raiders. Steve Spagnuolo showed the defensive players a, a video. I did some googling and I tried to find out what that might sound like. And he, this is one I found featuring Len Dawson about the Raiders from Chiefs.com. The games with the Raiders were not games. <laughs> no games are fun. You know these were wars. This gentleman has been working for seven years over in Candlestick Park, and that's only seven miles of water away from that uh, house of horrors, the Oakland Coliseum. We had guys that hated him. We openly say, I hate the Raiders. And then if you talk to the Raiders football team, we hate the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it's only a game, right? Not this one. This is not only a game. This is Raider Week. I mean, <laughs> if you you have that in if you have that in your headphones or your helmet the entire game, you're gonna be feeling. It. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of energy behind that, and I think like Marty Marty Schottenheimer, for instance, Marty right. Schottenheimer was another guy that really really leaned into the Raider rivalry and helped kind of elevate that even beyond what you saw when Len Dawson was playing, and he kind of carried through that. There's so much vitriol, you know, in in the in the 20th century for the Chiefs. And the Raiders, it's kind of feigned a little bit this in the you know the last 15, 20 years. But I mean, well, it's, it was like I think it was an original. Like it's like the fun the fun word that people use these days is frenemy. Like Al Davis and Lamar Hunt were like one of the first versions <laughs> of frenemy. Like they really cared about the league. But yeah, they hated the fact of each other winning. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and and I like that Steve Spagnuolo is really doing what he can to try to catch himself up on the vitriol behind you know some of the stories of this of this rivalry. I think he's really trying to lean in it as best as he can to try to create some additional edge, some additional energy. And frankly, I think it, you know even if it wasn't the Raiders, being able to to go into someone's uh, home and and have a winning record and end the 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 competition with a winning record on someone else's turf I think is just a very cool thing for this team to try to lean into what, too what hurt the Raiders Chiefs rivalry a little bit too was this Antonio Brown saga because when they had Brown I mean that's an easy player to, right. to look at as a villain like Derek Carr is pretty nice he always says the right thing I mean he's too nice he, Derek it, Carr is too nice it almost to me is like Patrick Mahomes like Mahomes gets to the mic and he'll never say anything controversial or negative like it's easy to hate Baker Mayfield for example mm -hmm. so like Derek Carr gets there you see there's a great story about Darren Waller and his comeback to the league and how he got rid of substance abuse I mean it's like it stinks, and they're on hard knock. It's like a little too likable right now. There's there's a couple things that you can still get irritated about with the Raiders. Richie Incognito is somehow <laughs> in the National Football League. He's not going to be playing Incre today, which is incredible. It's that, that is incredible. I mean, there was a report, and again, you you got to be careful about making light of this because you got to think there's like some CTE involved. But with his dad, his father, and wanting to decapitate him and Cut his off funeral the home, and of his it's 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 a wild it's a wild little story. But I mean, yes, he is in the National Football League. John Gruden giving him another another shot, and then the likes of Vontez Perfect. Uh, Vontez Burfecht Burfecht is, is an easy player to hate. That's exactly. True. So like, there's still some things, and like, and if you're a Chiefs fan for long enough, Marcus Allen. Yeah. Right. Rich Gannon. <laughs> right. That whole thing. Well, the thing uh, also, you know, Jonathan Abram, I don't think Jonathan Abram's a bad dude, but the way he plays the game, 
he would be a very hated player for a lot of teams. Like he could establish himself as a as a very hated player uh, for the Raiders for a long time for, for Chiefs fans in general, just because you know he he's a little ultra aggressive. He might he's probably too aggressive. He I mean he got kicked out of his spring game last year in college because he ended their spring game because he hurt one of their players. Like the guy is crazy. We're not going to see him today, obviously, because of the injury. But that's another guy that could help fuel this rivalry and help you hate this football team a little bit more. Well, yeah, and I look at Abram and, and Burfecht. And what's interesting is I think it's a little bit fan-driven with Burfecht because I went into the Chiefs locker room, I, I think it was last year or the year before, they were playing the Bengals. And I'm like, well, yeah, they'll, they'll talk. they were getting a lot of questions about, about Burfecht, and they'll talk about how he has cheap shots. And they're like, no, nah, that's a guy you want on your team. Like To me, I don't. <laughs> It's 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 odd to say because and, and I think back to when he hit Antonio Brown. Yeah, that was a nasty, nasty hit. Um, Their teammates of, for of a Brown. week, and he ruined the playoff chances. The, uh, the Bengals ended up losing what four years in a row in the first game of the playoffs. Yep. one of them because directly a, 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 a perfect, but he actually looked really good last week. Yeah, and he's kind of still a limited player. You know, he's not a guy that's going to be able to give you much productivity on passing downs, but he's he's good between the tackles and he's good on early rundowns. He's still got some ability there, but I, I, trying to limit his exposure to guys like Patrick Mahomes is is still going to be critical. I don't want him near him. So the the baseball season still going on. The Oakland A's still play there. So today you're going to see some dirt, a lot of dirt questions this week. Hot topic. Uh, the uh, chief specialist went over to the K to get some work in. Um, but this will be the last time you ever see that. Uh, even if the Raiders were to ever move back to Oakland, I'm sure they'll have their own stadium. Um, or if a team ever moved back to o- to Oakland. Uh, so this might be the last game you ever see with dirt in the mix, which is, in- which is an interesting point. It's an interesting point, and it's, it's kind of good riddance. I mean, it's 2019, and we've still got teams that are playing on dirt. Uh, Justin Forsett said... Uh, this week that playing on that dirt is like running full speed and diving headfirst onto a uh, parking lot. So like I, apparently the dirt's pretty rough. It's pretty, pretty grisly or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, Dave Tobe said they got over to the K and the Royals grounds crew made dirt really hard. They uh, softened it too. I believe they, he said yeah, they, they softened they had it. had to put water on yeah. it. Yeah, and so uh, they got a few kicks off there. Uh, Harrison Butker should be ready ready to go by the way uh, on deck show uh, coming up at noon with Cody Tapp uh, there'll be baseball played on that field today too the Royals <laughs> taking on the Astros Royal season's almost over it's all it's about to be completely Chiefs uh, in Kansas City uh, when we come back uh, we're going to talk about some fantasy football with Paul Charchian of fanball.com if you have some late fantasy questions I will take a few from the protein house with the purpose text line 69306 it's Charch and it's next the Arrowhead Pride tailgate show driven by Aristocrat Motors it's that time again here to help set your lineup is fantasy football hall of famer paul charchian from fanball.com paul charchian fanball.com the buzz around the national football league today is that antonio brown is indeed active for the new england patriots charge what do you think kind of got to start him don't you i mean it's, <laughs> it's crazy it's such a juicy matchup even if he's only on the field for 25 plays it's such a good matchup now we have an interesting data point you may remember josh gordon joined the patriots mid-season just like this um and he did it against miami a couple years ago and in that game josh gordon was allowed to play 18 snaps 
He had two catches for 32 yards. So there's, you know, there's some data points that that would suggest you need to show a caution with Antonio Brown, but Antonio Brown's frankly better than Josh Gordon, and he's probably in better shape. And Miami's so bad, so bad. I think, I think you kind of have to start him. What does that mean for some of the other New England Patriots, like Tom Brady and Julian Edelman? Yeah. Uh, big days yeah, for them. Starting all them too. Yeah. I mean, if the most conservative offense in the NFL just put up 50 points on the Dolphins. <laughs> so I, I think you have to start basically all of them, and um, including Sonny Michel, who was one yard per carry last week. I think he could be sitting on a very good game as well. And you know, the Dolphins' defense batted everything. Mark Ingram just steamrolled them. So, yeah, I, I think you're even a guy like Rex Burkett in a pinch, playable. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be this way in a few different games this year where it's going to be start all your Patriots and, and probably no better opportunity than this one. Charge, you mentioned the most conservative offense in football, scoring 50 last week, 59 last week. Are you buying Lamar Jackson? Oh, yeah, I'm buying it. Um, and here's the beauty of it. You know, although he's going to pass well in this game, too. He's got Arizona, right? Arizona's missing the two starting cornerbacks. He'll pass well in this game as well. But any game that does – where the game script is either closer or the game script is um, is one where the defense just, you know, is not terrible against the pass, you're going to get the rushing too. So – and any and really any play, even a broken play, it starts as a passing play. Broken play can turn into a long rushing game for, uh, for Jackson. So I think Jackson is close to an every-week starter where you just don't even think about it. You just put him in your lineup and yeah. just presume that one way or another, most weeks, he's going to be really helpful to your fantasy team. Charge some Chiefs, Raiders, fantasy-related questions. What do you make of the Chiefs running back situation after seeing one week a week of action here? Well, um, okay. At first, I was, you know, one week ago at this time, I was a little skeptical in LaShawn McCoy. I thought the version of him that I saw in Buffalo, frankly, looked plotting and disinterested. Um like a lot of players, you look a lot better in the Kansas City offense than right. he did, but he also looked a little better than Williams. Uh, Williams got more of the, the money plays, though, from a fantasy standpoint. Um, but I, man, I I, didn't want to believe it was going to be a real timeshare, but it certainly looks like that's what we've got here. And I think because of his age, it's, I don't think we're ever going to be in a situation where LaShawn McCoy, I mean, barring injury to other players, I don't think LaShawn McCoy is going to turn into 25-touch-a-game workhorse kind of guy. I think it's going to be split carries for a long time, and that's going to unfortunately really water down the fantasy value for McCoy and Williams. I have an interesting question for you. So the Chiefs are, are badly injured today. I mean, a little bit, a little banged up. Tyreek Hill's not going. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is yeah. a little banged up. The left tackle for the Chiefs, Eric Fisher, probably not going. The Raiders right. are the cheapest defense in daily fantasy on most platforms. Is that even a consideration? Would you ever consider going up against the Chiefs if you had the choice as far as the defense? Mm, no, in part because if you, <laughs> good if, answer. If, if, if you get points allowed as part of part of your fantasy scoring system, and most do, right, they're, they're going to get killed on that, right? So, in a lot of leagues, will go negative if you give up a lot of points. So, no, I don't think there's value there. Unfortunately, you know, your value play that everybody's everybody's going to right now is trying to trying to work against the Jets with the Cleveland Browns defense, and I don't blame them. Trevor Simeon is going to be at the helm here. That's that might be a great opportunity for a cheap defense, cheaper defense. Charge a couple questions from the Protein House Eat with the Purpose text line 69306. Do you believe in Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, as a legit fantasy starter? I do this week. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's a great opportunity. 
Arizona missing both of their starting cornerbacks, and he was only, he was only in the field for 14 plays. But talk about a mandate for more playing time. You know, look at what he did with the 14 plays. It was incredibly impressive. So, yeah, I think um, I think this is uh, I, I claimed this week right out of the gate, and we saw we just saw the Lions receivers. I'm not even talking about the T.J. Hawkinson part. The wide receivers rolled up 227 yards on the Cardinals secondary last week. Yeah. What do you think about Matt Breida? Would he be a potential flex star? Yes, he is this week. Um, and Breida, here's the thing on Breida that I think people don't realize. In these rare moments when Breida's healthy, he's really good. Yeah. That is a good running back and better than Tevin Coleman ever was. And I had him ranked higher than Tevin Coleman going into the preseason and believe that to be the case. The Bengals gave up the second most fantasy points to running backs last year. They kept that level of ineptitude going last week against Chris Carson, who scored twice. So, yeah, I, I like Matt Breida in this matchup. He's my number 30 running back. Let's take two more questions from the Protein Assey with the Purpose Text Line. This, this uh, fantasy player, Valdez Scantling, McCole Hardman, a Chief, or Christian Kirk? How do you feel about that? Well, you guys tell me what you think about Nicole Hardman. I'm worried that the, I, I love the opportunity, yeah. of course, with um, you know with Tyreek out, but I'm worried that his playing time might be in the might get you know maybe half maybe half of those routes. You're there. Do you see it the same way? That's, that's I I, I kind of look at any real concern here. Yeah, I mean, I kind of look at McCole as still a fourth option. Right now, okay. he he did get mm-hmm. the second most snaps the receivers last week, but didn't do anything with them. Right, right, right. Now, I thought he, I thought in the preseason, you know, the, the, the looks that we did get with him were actually really promising. And I, I think by the time Hill's ready to come back, he might be in the game a lot and making more of an impact. I'm just, I'm a little bit worried about him here. Last... I don't even remember the other guys that you mentioned. Now we're so far off track. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, no, it's I'm, a good. Con- I I'm, I... No, I was going to say it's a good conversation to have. I, I, I wonder, even for the team aspect today, you know, what, what kind of production is, is, is reasonable to expect. Uh, we'll come back full circle with the final question. Alshon Jeffrey, Antonio Brown, or Tyler Lockett, who do you like more? I think you have to play Antonio Brown. For yeah, the I mean, reasons I, we talked about before. If it's going to be 50 points, I just, I just want <laughs> I, You're going to be kicking yourself. Think of it this way. If they put up 50 and Antonio Brown scores twice, you're going to be like, I'm the biggest idiot in the world. And, you know, it was the Dolphins, and I didn't play Antonio Brown. He's That's arguably right. the best wide receiver in football. So, you know, catching passes from the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. So I think, um, I think you, I think you just, you have to start him, even though I, I like both the other options, by the way. And I think, I think Alshon Jeffrey is sitting on a, on a really nice game this week as well against uh, a pretty wobbly Falcons uh, secondary. Paul Chiarchi and Fanball.com. Paul, what's happening on Fanball.com today? Fanball.com slash Charch. You can get all my player rankings and explanations for free. Fanball.com slash Charch. And you can play in our $1,000 free contest. Just put together a shower cap lineup to beat my lineup. And when you do that and beat me, you get an entry into the Week 17 Tournament of Champions with a $10,000 grand prize. So that's the way to go. Fanball.com slash Charch. All right, Charge, as always, thanks for your fantasy guidance. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Paul Charchian, uh, really high on Antonio Brown and the Patriots. You know, just a, just a quick note on that. I mean, even, even in a non-fantasy aspect, like to me, that move puts them right on par with the Chiefs, and, and it's unfortunate. But I, and I think, and I've said this before on other shows on 610 Sports Radio, I think it's made the NFL similar to the NBA, where we were always waiting for LeBron versus the Warriors. 
you'll get Chiefs Patriots in the regular season. But this is just a build up to the AFC title game, either at Arrowhead or Foxborough Chiefs Pats. Like, I think that's what we're, this, this all leads to. If these two teams can stay healthy, yes, they're on a collision course for the AFC championship game. Adding Antonio Brown into the mix and then listing off the Chiefs cornerbacks in secondary players. It's not a fun exercise, and I anticipate the Chiefs are going to have to get into the arms race even more than they probably were planning on uh, to try to address the secondary, to address the cornerback position to help match up with teams like the Patriots. This is Arrowhead Pride Deputy Editor John Dixon with This Week in Chiefs History. It was September 12th, 1993. Under Marty Schottenheimer, the Chiefs had finished second in the AFC West for three consecutive seasons and were eager to take the next step. After a convincing 27-3 win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 1, the Chiefs traveled to Houston to face the Oilers. But that day, very little went right for the Chiefs. Although they managed only two offensive touchdowns against the stout Chiefs defense, the Oilers kept piling up the points. Al Del Greco kicked three field goals, and Chris Dishman returned to fumble 58 yards for a touchdown. Meanwhile, the Chiefs' offense couldn't get anywhere against the Houston defense. With Joe Montana out, backup quarterback Dave Craig was sacked four times and threw two interceptions. The team lost three fumbles, and normally reliable Nick Lowry missed his only field goal attempt. It all added up to a shocking 30 to nothing defeat. But Montana and the Chiefs would recover, finishing the season 11 and 5, winning not only the AFC West, but their wild card playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. After the crushing defeat in week 2 and the Oilers 11 straight wins to close the season, few expected them to beat Houston on the road in the divisional round. But they turned in a thrilling 28 to 20 win and advanced to the 1993 AFC Championship. I'm Arrowhead Pride Deputy Editor John Dixon with This Week in Chiefs History. 93! Joe Montana days. We were four, Peter. <laughs> it's funny that we're the same age. I know. Um, Not far apart. I'm a little older than you, aren't I? Like four months, something like that. 31st. That was, that was rough. I'm not counting. That was rough. Uh, Joe Montana, <laughs> what, what's funny about that, and, and again, I, you know, as, as a lot of people would, would be happy to tell you, I've only lived in Kansas City for five or six years now. Um, that era from everyone that was here, they say it's similar to right now with the excitement of Montana and, and now Patrick Mahomes. See, I was I was just a kid, and I even kind of felt that energy about having <clears throat> having Patrick, uh, having Joe Montana as the quarterback of the Chiefs. Like I even understood that it was a pretty big deal to have him, even though I was you know a pretty young kid when it when it really occurred. But uh, that was a that was a fun time. Uh, Pat, he he. He did some really good things for the Chiefs. They took him all the way to the AFC Championship game one year. Uh, and I think that was the last AFC Championship game that they went to before last season. Right, and which is incredible. And, and and I think that's what's so exciting about Mahomes. I mean, you got Montana at the tail end, whereas you should probably have two decades ahead of you of, of potential playoff football. Yeah, and AFC, many AFC Championship games moving forward and hopefully uh, some Super Bowls as well. Uh, they're as as positioned as any as well positioned as any team in the National Football League for the next 15 seasons. 
Looking around the league before we turn it back to the Chiefs, a couple active players to know about. Joe Mixon is active. People were questioning that. Uh, Chargers' Mike Williams is active, uh, so that's good for the Chargers. And then Patriots wide receiver Antonio Brown, uh, all active. It also looks like Washington is rolling with three cornerbacks this week. So you think it's bad in Kansas City with the Chiefs only having four cornerbacks. Washington is rolling with three. And they play the Dallas Cowboys. Against the Dallas Cowboys. Player who looked really good last week. Yes, they did. The offense looks completely different. It looks functional for once. A lot of shifts and motions, a lot of movement, uh, aggressive down the field a little bit. So... Play your, play your Cowboys and also, too, parlay a game with the Chiefs. Get that Cowboys victory in the early game and then play the Chiefs uh, in the in the uh, second game. Hey, why not? Um, when we come back, uh, we'll reset the show. I mean, Chiefs and Raiders coming up at 3.05 p.m. We're leading into the on-deck show with Cody Tapp. But when we come back, he loves his football. Mr. Jay Binkley in studio. It's next. The Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. Now back to the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show. Here's Pete Sweeney and Kent Swanson. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate as driven by Aristocrat Motors, Kansas City's home of luxury automobiles for over 50 years. If you want to get involved, you can get involved on Twitter with at 610SportsKC at Arrowhead Pride or by the Protein House, Eat With a Purpose, text line 69306. We'll take your questions at the end of the show. Use the word mailbag and send us something to talk about. We're happy to discuss what's on your mind ahead of Chiefs Rangers uh, Raiders. Uh, Pete Sweeney here with our Arrowhead Pride film analyst, uh, Kent Swanson, Nick Price, pushing all the right buttons behind the glass. And now we're joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Jay Binkley. What's up, fellas? What's on your mind ahead of Chiefs Raiders? Well, Arby's is actually Arby's just made the, uh, <laughs> you the, love, the drop-off that's for the us big, here the pre- and post-game. That's so. the big takeaway you Why have right now is Arby's uh, is here. Cass Big Dude, he brings it in here. He owns it. His dad love played that. for the Niners 11 years, had his Niners shirt rocking. He likes Chiefs so too. So. I can smell those curly fries. Thanks to Arby's. Yeah, thank you, Arby's. Uh, what, what's the biggest point to watch for you in, in Chiefs Raiders today, Jay? Just Mahomes in that ankle. You know, I'm kind of with, with with Ken on that. What, what will the play calling be? Will Cam Irving be there instead of Eric? I'm not a huge Cam Irving guy. I'm not uh, either. By being. the way, if you ever listen to me, <laughs> I'm not. Even going back to Cleveland, the things he was saying about not wanting to be Just center. didn't want to play certain positions well, in Cleveland. It, it, he didn't. He didn't want to play center, but it's a Brett Veach project. You bring him in. You trust your coaching staff to elevate their level. We see this all the time. Like, Dave Moore has been the king of this for the Kansas City Royals. But Veach has done this with first-round picks. We'll bring him in. We'll see if we'll elevate their play. Something to watch on Minka Fitzpatrick as well, being yeah. a former first-round pick. I wouldn't mind that one, but you're, I mean, you're right. And I think with Cam Irving, you don't want him playing left tackle every week. What he has when it comes to his values is his ability to play five Jack positions. Jack of all trades, master of none. Master of none, Bink. There's a couple uh, of ways the Chiefs could solve that problem. I mean, they could slide Andrew Wiley out there and put Irving at guard. They could also move Mitch Schwartz. Wiley has not looked good out there, though. Yeah, no, it, no it, I agree. It, I mean, they could also move Mitch Schwartz to the other side. But typically, if you really know Andy Reid, it's rare that he'll take guys out of position. So I think the most likely scenario is indeed that Irving will be in there. Look at a lot of quick piss, uh, passes out of the backfield. I mean, Damian Williams, uh, even LaShawn McCoy, you know, people are sleeping on him. Here's a guy with over 400 career catches. He's like 7.6 average per reception. And Damian Williams is like over eight. But the sample size is like 114 to 426 as far as the amount of catches. He's a guy that, uh, you know, the past two out of the last four years, he's cut over 50 passes in this league. I keep hearing this LaShawn McCoy is going to run the football and be the runner. LaShawn McCoy can do both things right. extremely well. And Damian Williams might be a little bit better at the catch right now. 
But LaShawn McCoy is is very smart at getting open, finding that crease. Uh, Damian Williams probably a better pass catcher at this point. But don't sleep on LaShawn McCoy. I don't think Andy, Andy Reid's too smart to fall into the trap of McCoy's coming in, they're going to run the ball. Thank or Damian you. Williams coming in and throwing the bass, you. pass into the back door. He's you, haven't been a, you haven't been a fan of Damian Williams since since training camp. <laughs> no, I, I have. But the, the, <laughs> listen, he looked great on that wheel route in preseason. He I did. like Damian Williams. But again, yards, we're talking about a guy with no more than 50 carries in a season. And we're talking right. about a guy that sure. rushed the ball one time in the preseason, caught a great wheel route, and we're ready to crown him. I Listen, he can catch the ball to the backfield. I like what he does. I like what LaShawn McCoy did as a pass blocker last week, too, a little decleating blocks. But that's an underrated part of his game. He's so crafty and such a crafty veteran. He knows how to stick his head there like Jamal Charles did. Jamal Charles was the biggest guy, but he learned how to pass protect as he got further and further along in the NFL, and I think McCoy has it down. Yeah, I think the running backs in general this week are going to be really important to this offense, and you make a great point, Bink. It's not just running the football. It's in the passing game, but, yes, pass protection. I bet you we get – a lot of chips to Cam Irving's, Irving's side. I bet you, uh, you know, the running backs might even stay in. Maybe a tight end stays in. They kept a tight end in a couple times last week. We won't see any empties. No, you're right. I mean, we may not. We'll be a lot of Blake Bell on the side helping out Cam Irving. Yeah. They'll, be, they'll be running back. We won't see, but I don't think we'll see a lot of the empty backfield. You know, they could just, it would just have, the ball would have to be out pretty quick. I don't think that they're going to trust their front or their front five to really, you know, hold up against. Well, those guys, but I I don't think the chiefs can afford Mahomes to take a big hit today. They can't. And so I don't think you're going to see these long passes. It's going to be trying to get people uh, underneath, I think in space and just letting your runners run. The chiefs ran more run pass options last week than any team in the national football league. I think they ran 20. The majority of their run plays are RPOs now. And so I also wonder what they do there because if you remember Mahomes <laughs> take out that run element. Mahomes got obliterated on a couple run pass options where he kept the ball and tried to deliver a ball and there's just a free rusher because that's how the run pass options are set you up. You don't think we'll see a little bit of the vertical once in a while? Like if they feel comfortable if in the pass they, pro, hit Hardman deep. I mean I, I just feel that they'll take advantage of Gary Conley being a little banged up. He's supposed to play today, not a hundred percent sure and John known Jonathan Abram to you know, he's a guy you got to worry about because he will lay the thump on you. That's going to be a wide receiver going across the middle. I think going across the middle will be a lot easier for the Chiefs today. But I do see them taking a few chances down. It, Not a lot, but a if few. If the offensive line can prove it's okay at yeah. the beginning of the game, I think you got to kind of prove that to yourself before you risk Mahomes back there for, you know, a number of seconds. See I think, some Legion of Zoom, you know? The yeah. Legion of well, Zoom. Baby. I don't I, see woo! Legion of Slant. No. <laughs> Well, the the speed can work the after the slant. Of slant. But I think if you're gonna I, you're gonna still see some shots. I think what's gonna happen though is those are gonna be the situations where you keep a tight end in, you maybe keep a back in too. You may maybe that's a seven man protection kind of thing with Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman and Travis Kelsey challenging down the field, which is fine. That's a good group, and you can you can run some cool stuff. You know they they like to run like you know they'll run maybe Sammy Watkins and, and McCole Hardman vertically, and then run t- Travis Kelsey underneath them. You know, they do stuff like that. They did it last week. You sure. Know, double post with, you know, Kelsey getting across the field. Those are your down-the-field shots. Hey, don't sleep on Blake Bell. He was one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL last year. 11th overall, like 6th in the, the AFC. The Belldozer. The Belldozer. I think he's a better version of Demetrius Harris. He's a better blocker, and he makes about the same amount of catches, and he will have the drops. He's like Demetrius Harris. Don't sleep on him as a blocker. though. That's a, he's extremely important at that position. He's filling a lot of the roles for for Dave Tobe. Tobe has, has lauded him uh, for filling in for what Demetrius Harris did for the Chiefs on special. Big Belldozer guy here, Pete. How do the Chiefs respond in a full game without Tyree Kill to start? 
A lot of Sammy Watkins. But again, and here's the thing. In the, in the game against the Patriots, the Patriots did eventually bring Gilmore off of him. They, they covered him with him. Yeah. They brought him off of him. Uh, you go back, and he was double-covered sometimes in L.A. when he was there. But being the guy, what will it be like, Sammy Watkins? I know I hear from people who say, well, he's, he's been double-covered his whole career. Well, things did change a bit with the Kelsey attention, the Tyree Kill attention. Sammy Watkins wasn't drawing the attention um, that he had in the past, that he had in the past even when he was with L.A. But I'd like to see that. Uh, will Demarcus Robinson step up, McCole Hardman? Um, I don't think the passing game takes a ton of hits. Just like the passing game was still fine without Tyree Kill. It was just more week. Alex Smithian with the with the with the dink and duck, which but is again, fine. They, it worked. But they got to show that vert too, though. Yeah. Like they got to show what Tyree Kill was great at the vert. Like every once in a while, pop McCole Hardman. He's like the secret weapon now. You know what? See what he can do down the field yeah. with that four three three speed. You know, pop him, get him open, hit him deep, but still show you have the vert. You don't want to see guys creep in. We don't want to see eight men in the box today to kind of limit the running game. We need the running game to be efficient because we still have to have that down-the-field threat. Well, I still expect, I don't think that they're just going to all dink and dunk, but I do think, you know, McCole Hardman's going to be running around the field. He's going to be running a lot of vertical jet stuff. Jet sweeps. Well, that too. Like, I think a lot of McCole Hardman's touches this week, you're going to get, yeah, the jet stuff. You're going to get those little touch passes, maybe some screens out on the edge, and then maybe a couple challenges down the field. But I do think McCole Hardman's going to get a lot of mileage this week because Andy Reid, even if you're doing some of the dink and dunk stuff, you still need those vertical stretches down the field because, you you know, you can run an out route underneath that vertical. So it could be Kelsey and Hardman, for instance. Um, but I, I, I anticipate Hardman gets a lot of mileage on his legs. Let's just see if it does anything for this team and if he gets a couple opportunities down the field to get a big play. I think you see today why he was drafted. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think you see today McCole Hardman why he was drafted. Well, you know, you know, the Chiefs spent all offseason or part of the offseason preparing for life without Tyreek Hill. And, and McCole Hardman, I, I don't care what the Chiefs say. I believe he was a direct response to what happened with the, with the Tyreek Hill situation. They felt they needed that speed. So this is kind of what you would have been getting to some degree if Tyreek Hill had not been playing this year. Right. And and, and you got to think about in this game, too, And then when you talk about the Chiefs offense, and Bink, you mentioned it off air, Gary and Conley, he goes from a stretcher, a neck injury, to probably playing today. you got to test him early. Yeah, you leave on a card that doesn't usually spell good things for the following week, but it's it crazy. is. They were just being precautious with it. They might get it. The card is uh, much different when we look at the card because everybody goes to the card now. You want to take care yeah. of your investments. Uh, the card is a... Uh, Legit deal now. But, yeah, I'm concerned about that um, with, with the Raiders. How good is he? I've seen that he looks like he's going to play today. Of course, we're a little bit early for the uh, inactives and whatnot for the 3 o'clock games. So, if it was a noon game, we'd know already at this point. I don't think it'll be a huge concern. Andy Reid just has made it an emphasis to own this division. Yeah. We're talking about 8-2 and two in his last 10 against the Raiders. One of those a huge slip-up when the Chiefs were 7-3 and three and they were 0-10 a couple years ago. And the, rain, and the, the rain game, Josh Mauga. I mean, misses the, the tackle. He's seven and three against the Broncos in his last ten. He's nine out of ten in the Chargers last ten. He owns the AFC West. He really puts an emphasis on these divisional games. What did Monday Night Football and the Raiders win tell you about them? Uh, the Broncos are worse than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so the Broncos worse than I thought. The Raiders. Here's a team that I legitimately think is going to be scary in two years. I do. I, I, I see. I think, they they're, Vegas, I think they're one year away. I think they're going to be a little like bit. they're two years. I think okay. their draft picks. I still think they're two years away. Pete. Next year, I think they can get up to well, nine Abram, and seven. Abram, honestly, and, and I keep saying it, Abram being out changes the deal for them, and he's going to be back next year, and they'll have another 
uh, set of draft picks. I, I like their picks this year. I, I mean, I just think they'll be involved. Might be like a nine and seven year next year for the Raiders. And Derek Carr can show flashes. I mean, we know how good he can be, and we know how bad he can be. But Derek Carr, when he's good, can be very good. And Derek Carr is good when he's getting rid of the ball quick. And he got the he delivered the ball in under two point two seconds last week. I think he averaged two point one nine seconds per throw. And so one of the things that's going to be important. Well, tight end play is so good with them at this point too. It. We didn't think so this year, but yeah. it is. Yeah, they're going to have to disrupt those receivers at the line of scrimmage. So I could see them pressing a little bit more. That actually could help Charvarius Ward too because that's where he has more successes in a press technique. And it limits the pass rush a little bit when he is getting rid of the football so right. quickly. Jay, let, let's get one key for you on offense for the Chiefs and one key on defense. One key is the, uh, and I still think this, and I'll go back to it, They've got to hit the vert once in a while. Just yep. show that ability to still be able to do it. You know, get that pass pro in for Mahomes, whether it's bringing in two tight ends, yep. pass pro in the backfield. Show that ability that you can and will go down the field. Show people that the Chiefs are still dangerous when they go vertical and they won't be so predictable. That would be my biggest key on offense. Mahomes, the play calling by Andy Reid. I'm really curious how Andy Reid calls this game because second half of last game, might have been one of Andy Reid's most brilliant play-calling days with the well, Kansas why City say, Chiefs. Why do you say that? Just the adjustments he made. He has yeah. a quarterback that's not 100%. The yep. throwing out of the back. Making him feel comfortable. Making Mahomes feel comfortable in his element. I credit Andy Reid and his play-calling a lot for the Chiefs' offense last week. Jay, your key for the Chiefs on defense today. Key on the Chiefs' defense is the pass rush once again. we got to see more of it. You know, the Ogba suck. We, we sack. We got to see. Clark's got to make that money. We, we got to see Frank Clark. And you know Earn what? that money. Denny Matthews said it a couple years ago, and I still think it every week. Expect the unexpected. I expected Frank Clark to eat last week. Yep. I expected him to eat last week. It didn't happen. It's just like when you have a good pitching matchup in baseball and you end up with a 10-9 game, Kent. You like baseball. Love baseball. But Big I do want to see more Go from Royce. the pass rush. Even Chris Jones. Let's get some interior pass rush from the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's see what we can do. Jay get you out of here on this score prediction and a few reasons why going 31 to 17 i do feel that the raiders i know it's a little bit under i mean i was a two touchdown win being like that good for you my friend two touchdown win in jacksonville you know what you think it closer you know what these games typically are closer they are typically it was last year to a field goal game i am going 31 to 17 i think the defense acclimates itself i think they're a little bit embarrassed about what happened in jacksonville even though they had a nice game in jacksonville but it was gardner Minshew. In the 70s outfit, um, 22 of 25 last week. I think this defense <laughs> this defense has some pride, and they've yeah. got some swag. And to me, they want to prove themselves this week. I think we see a better defensive performance against the Raiders. 30 points for the Chiefs is a given each and every week, but I'll go on the low side on 31 because it's not 100% Mahomes. It's many Mahomes would win this game by two touchdowns, Kent. You, you could catch Kent. Not full size. <laughs> you could catch Kent and I's. Uh, premier picks, uh, our picks for the game coming up at, at the end of this hour. You can catch Jay Binkley on the Arrowhead Pride postgame show with myself, presented by 7th Street Casino, where it's at. That'll be directly, or I'm, I'm sorry, immediately after Chiefs and, and Raiders later today. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. I'm going to go eat the Arby's now. It's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> we, have to get, we have to get some Arby's as well. Uh, coming up next, we'll take your questions in a live mailbag, 69306. Use the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line. Plus, we'll talk about the quarterback matchup, Patrick Mahomes versus Derek Carr. That's all next. The Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. The AP Mailbag. Send in your questions on Twitter to at Arrowhead Pride. Take it away, Pete. 
Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. Uh, you can get your questions in. We're doing a live mailbag with Kent and I right now. Uh, 69306 on your phones, or you can use Twitter. Uh, mention at Arrowhead Pride, and, and we'll answer as best as we can. First question here. Uh, Kent, who is the most important player for the Chiefs today? On both sides of the football. Could be anybody. Ooh. Uh, okay, most important player. I'm not going to go with Patrick Mahomes on offense because that's a given. Let's go with Travis Kelsey. Uh, I do think Sammy Watkins is going to get more attention this week. I do think that the uh, Raiders are going to have a bigger challenge trying to match up with Travis Kelsey. So if Travis Kelsey can have success this week, if he can you know, go out there and, and, and isolate on the backside of the play and just be Travis Kelsey, I think this offense can still have a lot of success. On defense... Give me Frank Clark, my player to watch earlier this week. I want to see him disrupt uh, disrupt the quick passing game of the Raiders. If he can affect the quarterback a little bit, even though Derek Carr is getting the ball out of his hands, if he can push with speed to power uh, Colton Miller into Derek Carr, I think that goes a long way in helping this offense or this defense uh, get off the field. Quick point on Clark versus Miller. Uh, Clark dominated him last year. Yes. Miller was a little bit hurt in a game between the Raiders and the Seahawks, and, and Miller had found some success against Bradley Chubb last week. A lot of chop blocking. I asked Clark about that, and Clark said he saw it on film, just needs to beat him to the point. Uh, my most important Chiefs for today, and, and if you listen to the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, uh, Ken has a show with uh, Craig Stout and Matt Lane, who you heard from earlier, called the AP Laboratory, and they take your questions, and uh, they have something called a Matty answer, where he, where he circles around <laughs> and has this weird answer. And, technical, he gets off on a technicality. For me, for me, my Matty answer is Cam Irvin. He's got to end because Eric Fisher's probably not playing in this game. So Cam Irving has to have a spot start yeah. here and a game where uh, protecting Patrick Mahomes is paramount because he's already injured. And so you don't want him to re-injure that ankle and Cam Irving needs to slide in there if, it, if that's the way the Chiefs uh, choose to go and protect the quarterback. And on the other side of the football, I'm going to say Chris Jones mm. because in a game where Derek Carr gets the ball out fast, that bat down, that getting in his face is going to be very important. And Chris Jones is right there in the middle. The quickest route to the quarterback is with interior pressure. Sure. And Chris Jones is a guy that is able to generate a lot of interior pressure. You're absolutely right. That's a guy that could really help this this uh, this defense uh, disrupt from the middle. This question from the Protein House, he with a purpose test, text line, no mention of DeAnthony Thomas. I just don't see him on offense. I think he might be in the kick return game. I know a lot of people think he, he profiles as Tyreek Hill. To me, the the biggest profile for Tyreek Hill is McCole Harden. Yeah, and I, I do. I could see DeAnthony Thomas having a small package of plays this week just to kind of run some of the things that maybe uh, he might be a little bit more equipped to handle uh, that ty that McCole Hardman couldn't. Anything like with you know change of directions. I think DeAnthony Thomas actually might be a little bit better change of direction than McCole Hardman, but. Yeah, I mean, his value is really going to be on special teams. That's really where the majority of his work is going to happen. And I think the Chiefs, too, they got D'Anthony back from suspension this week, and they immediately released Byron Pringle, which had the really passionate Chiefs fans up in arms because Tremont Smith was really only a kick returner uh, for this team. I think, they, I think the reason for it was they wanted to see if Dak could still return kicks. Sure. That's kind of how I'm figuring it. So... That's where Dad comes in the mix. I think he'll be the kick returner, and I think McCole Hardman might be the punt returner. And I think, well, and I think, you know, Tremont Smith staying for the, the duration of the week, it was just kind of maybe some D'Anthony Thomas insurance. I think you're right. I think they've made the choice between the two. They chose D'Anthony Thomas for whatever reason, maybe more contribute, maybe more of a contributor on offense than Tremont Smith would have been. But 
Uh, obviously, Tremont Smith has been released. Byron Pringle is back on the active roster. Uh, and and uh, we'll see what we'll see what uh, D'Anthony Thomas is able to do this week. Your questions, mention us at Arrowhead Pride or get at us on the text line 69306. Next question, is Darwin Thompson ready for more action? I don't think, I mean, maybe, but I don't think he'll get it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Darwin Thompson is going to be eased in a little bit more than we probably anticipated, you know, a month ago with the addition of LaShawn McCoy. And I think that's okay. You know, you're going to, the Chiefs are going to need all of their running backs this year. Make no mistake about it. Just because right now you're seeing, you know, uh, Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy getting the run. At some point, the Chiefs are going to need Darwin Thompson to step up and allowing him to kind of ease into this a little bit. Uh, this year, let him get his feet wet. I think that's going to be valuable down the road. And you think about this too, is back in the day, right? So Jamal Charles, you know, he goes down and two guys come up, Spencer Ware and Kendrick West, he didn't know, right? So again, football, yeah, 100% of injury rate. You know what I mean? At some point in your career, you'll get injured, injured except you're, except if you're Mitchell, Mitchell Schwartz. He's <laughs> never missed a snap in his Iron career. Man. Excuse me. Um, and so, yeah, you got to be ready. And so if LaShawn McCoy or Damian Williams goes down, I think Darwin can do it. I, I think pass pro has been on the minds of a lot of people. And he really, I think, performed better and better as training camp went on. He got he got bull rushed and overrun uh, in training camp. It was on video. Everyone saw it. And then he had some pretty good blocks in the preseason. Cincinnati Bengals comes to mind. Yeah, he can chop them down. He can cut players, no problem, in pass protection. You probably have a little bit of nerves about him really taking on guys still, but you know, I don't think Darwin Thompson not playing right now isn't a, isn't a discredit to Darwin Thompson. I think I agree. We, we know that he's capable. We know that there's some things that he can do to help this football team. The opportunities just haven't presented them, themselves yet, and that's okay. Keep him healthy. Keep him fresh. You're probably going to need him at some point in this season. I mean, that's just the nature of the running back position, and whenever his number is called, he's going to be more than capable of, of stepping up and, and, and making an impact on this football team. We got two more questions uh, from from the listeners. How does Patrick Mahomes' ankle truly impact this game? Oh, it, it's it's it changes everything, and how he plays and how he's able to play is is going to be a big storyline early. You know, seeing what he's able to do, what he's not able to do. The first time that he has to kind of move outside of the pocket, you know, try to create out of structure. That's going to be a big question mark for you know for for all fans watching this game. His his mobility normally is able to bail him and his team out of uh, a pressure that, you know, gets, you know, if, if, if Cam Irving gets beat, typically Mahomes is able to do something to help alleviate that. And that may not be the case this week. I just worry a little bit about Mahomes taking his first hit. I think he'll be fine to start the game. I need to see how he gets up if he gets knocked down because right. it, it might, it's 60 minutes of football. It might happen today. Well, and you know, like I, a lot of these guys, they, they favor that, you know, that ankle or something. And sometimes it can get caught. Sometimes if he's not, if, if you're really playing gingerly on the ankle, I, I think you kind of put it at risk sometimes too. If, if you get caught in a, in a situation where there's people around your feet and whatnot, like it's a little bit more stationary. It's not as flexible. It's not moving as easily. And those are the things that scare me is, you know, if it gets caught, uh, he, he can't make it worse. And, and, his ability to protect himself this week and the next couple of weeks as he gets ready and gets, you know, yeah. gets that thing improved is going to be so important to the long-term outlook of this team. It can't get worse and a bigger injury to that ankle, that knee, whatever can't happen because of this injury. Can Darwin Thompson return punts? I'll answer this one. I think so. I think that's a possibility. When I asked uh, Uncle Dave Tobe about the uh, special teams game this week, 
He was a little bit mysterious, and he wouldn't answer directly. And he's a guy that's usually forthcoming with answers, and he said that there's a lot of guys who can do it. So now that Tyreek Hill is out of the mix, and I'm not sure if McCole Hardman is completely ready, you may see some different things back there. I don't want to say with 100% certainty what the returners are going to be. Yeah, it, it there he's, he's in the mix. He's certainly capable of doing it. It just depends on the level of trust. It depends on you know what they're trying to accomplish that week, too. It could be a week-to-week thing. Who knows? And then last question before we move on. Uh, this is a fantasy question. We didn't get in for charts, but we can rely on you, Kent. Deshaun Jackson or Robert Woods for, for one of the listeners? I think you got to go with Robert Woods still. I know Deshaun da- Jackson had it's a, a boomer big, bust. It's, it's a boomer bust kind of play, but Robert Woods, I think, is more consistently getting targets. Uh, I like him this week a little bit more than Deshaun Jackson because of the high variance of Jackson. I have Deshaun Jackson in one of my leagues, and I'm going with Chris Thompson this week. So, Ooh. Back to Chiefs Raiders with our quarterback matchup. It's time for the quarterback matchup. Ken, I'll take a page out of your book. Patrick Levon Mahomes played college football at Texas Tech, and he enters Sunday with a career record of 14-4. and four. And so far through one week of the 2019 NFL season, he's compiled 378 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. He is 2-0 in his career against the Oakland Raiders. And in those games, he has 576 yards, six touchdowns, and just one interception. Is that good? <laughs> is that good? I, I just remember, you know, his 50th touchdown of the year was that 89-yarder against Oakland to mm. Demarcus Robinson. Mm, D-Rob. Uh, he, he's played pretty well. Was I, that the game where D-Rob backpedaled into the end yes. zone? Yes. That was that was like play number fifty. Fortnite. Yeah, he <laughs> and Demarcus Robinson just went off and did his own thing a little bit on that play. But he's a forgotten guy too that we don't talk a lot about. Is Robinson and and it's a, it's a contract year and, and I I just just expect more out of him so far. Yeah, and I, he's he's much better when the play breaks down. And I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be as dangerous when the play breaks down this week, which is a little bit interesting. But it, Patrick Mahomes has had a lot of success against the Raiders. If you remember the first Raiders game in Oakland last year was the first game after the Kareem Hunt incident. So it, they kind of had to rally around him. They kind of had to rally around that. You know, Pat kind of had to rally his team. And he did a great job. It was a close game. It was tighter than you probably anticipated it being. But uh, he's had a lot of success against the Raiders, and I anticipate he'll still have some success, just maybe a little bit differently. If, if Patrick Mahomes playing the Raiders was a word, stay with me here, the antonym of that would be Derek Carr versus the Chiefs. <laughs> Derek Carr played college football at Cal State. He enters today's game with a 33-46 and 46 record, but he's coming off of a nice game against the Denver Broncos when he was 22 for 26, 259 yards and a touchdown. That's the good news for Carr. The bad news against the Chiefs, Carr's 2-8, 13 touchdowns, and nine of his career 54 interceptions. Nine interceptions of his career 54. So we know Carr takes care of the football generally, and I understand they play twice a year, but nearly 20% of the interceptions that Carr have come against the Chiefs. Here's a little Bob Sativity calling back to last year. Bob Sutton had Derek Carr's number when they were when they played him. I don't know if they're going to be able to carry over some of the things that they've had success with with Derek Carr in the past. Uh, but if there is anything that they're able to do, you're going to see it this week. And and we'll see if Spags is able to to rise to the level of Bob Sutton against Derek Carr this week. I said that Frank Clark is going to have two sacks. Let's try to pick someone who, if there's anyone getting an interception, who do you think it is? Uh, it could be Frank Clark. It might be Frank Clark. Hopefully we'll see it this week. How about Juan Thornhill? Pressure up the middle. Ball gets overthrown because Derek Carr is afraid to get hit, and he sails the ball in the middle of the field, and Juan Thornhill gets his first interception of the season. I'm going to say 
Damian Wilson. Snags it out of the air. He doesn't get talked about enough. I think he makes an impact on this game. I like it, Pete. So uh, safe to say in the quarterback matchup, you take Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is going to play like Derek Carr and beat him and obliterate him at his own game. They're both going to be throwing the ball quick. They're both going to be getting the ball out of their hands. And Patrick Mahomes is going to make Derek Carr look like Derek Carr against the Chiefs. You are listening to the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate. is driven by Aristocrat Motors, Kansas City's home of luxury automobiles for over 50 years. So this is Arrowhead Pride. When we come back, we'll go out to Oakland to talk to a member of our sister site, Silver and Black Pride. I, I get it. It's pretty gross, but it is next. The Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. Now back to the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show. Here's Pete Sweeney and Kent Swanson. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, here with lead draft and film analyst Ken Swanson. We are working on getting a member of Silver and Black Pride, Evan Grote, uh, on, the, on the line to ask him a few questions about the Oakland Raiders. Kent, uh, you made a nice comment to me uh, during the break. And that's Patrick Mahomes is going to beat Derek Carr in his own game. Yes, that's what's going to happen this week. I think you're going to see kind of like what you saw in the second half of the Jacksonville game. You know, Dinkin and Duncan, I, that's kind of what Derek Carr has been having success with. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to wind up beating Derek Carr in his own game this week. You heard Bink, though, earlier, and he makes a good point. So much uh, of this game and so much of what the Chiefs offense is able to do relies on the fact that they're able to air out the football and open things up in the middle. And I just wonder if he's going to have that aspect today and have that time and, and the Chiefs are going to risk it of him, him getting hit. Because, yeah, there were no sacks last week, but at the same time, there were a couple times you're like, come on, guys, you got to protect your quarterback. And it, some of it was with the run-pass option stuff because you know the nature of the run-pass option is it's a run play by the offensive line and there's a pass play behind it. They're reading one player, and if that player does what they want – they throw the football. But the problem with that is it leaves free rushers. So Mahomes would choose, make the right choice to throw the football, but there'd be a free rusher and he would get obliterated. I wonder if they even use the run pass options this week that much. We go out to Oakland. We have Evan Grote of Silver and Black Pride. This is called Behind Enemy Lines. What's up, Evan? How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. Uh, I want to start with this. The Raiders coming off that big Monday night football win. What was the most surprising thing you saw from the Raiders in that victory? Well, for me, the most surprising thing had to be the offensive line play, uh, in particular the, the tackles, Colton Miller and, and Trent Brown. Uh, keep in mind, last season, Derek Carr was sacked 51 times. It was a major issue for the offense last year. Um, it was an emphasis uh, in the offseason to upgrade that offensive line. Um, they brought in Trent Brown. They brought in Richie Incognito. So it was a major emphasis. Um, they kept Sack clean the entire game. He wasn't touched. Uh, and you know, the, the Broncos have a very great pass-rushing tandem there with Bradley Chubb and, and Von Miller, and, and the line gave up zero sacks. One other thing to keep in mind is that they were also playing with two backup guards out there. Um, yep. Um, Gabe Jackson, the starting right guard, is out with a, a, a knee injury. And as you know, Richie Cognito is, is uh, suspended for the first two games. So I was very pleasantly surprised with how well the offensive line played uh, last week. And I think it's going to be a um, major part of today's game as well because the Chiefs have a very good um, defensive end there in Frank Clark. I'm also a little bit concerned this week about um, 
protecting Carr on the interior with uh, with Chris Jones. Right. So it'll be a major storyline in today's game as well. Yeah, don't forget Chris Jones, third in the league in sacks last year. Uh, so far, the only person to register a sack for the Chiefs, Emmanuel Ogba. Um, I know there's still some belief in the fan base in, in Derek Carr, and, and he looked a lot better on Monday night uh, that he could get back to that 2016 version of himself. 28 touchdowns, uh, six interceptions. Did you like what you saw from Carr on Monday night now that he is protected? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought Carr played a very uh, efficient game. It was a very clean game. He took care of the ball. And, and, and those are some things that we didn't necessarily see a lot last year. We saw him trying to do a little too much, uh, making some poor decisions uh, and, trying to, and trying to force some things. And you mentioned the protection. When Derek Carr isn't protected, that's where he tends to struggle. He, he's the type of guy, like all quarterbacks, that needs to be protected, but um, he really uh, excels when he's protected. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, um, you know, in, in, yeah. in talking about him and some of the MVP talk. Um, I need to see it a couple more times before I can start having that conversation with him. But I do think he is in for a very uh, big season. This is the second year in Gruden's system, and this is only the second time in his career that he is in the second year with the same coordinator, and the last time that happened was 2016 when he was a candidate for MVP. So, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of lower my expectations right now, but I, I do think he's off to a very good start. Evan, on the defensive side of the ball, the Raiders had a league-low 13 sacks last year. It looks like they've made some improvements up front, obviously drafting Clellan Farrell early in the draft. What do you think of this pass rush with, your, with the early sample size? Well, again, I think it's still a work in progress. Um, I I know they did have three sacks last week, but I I still think it's a big question mark. Um, I need to see more from Arden Key, who's in the second year with the Raiders. Um, You know, Benson Miowa had two sacks last week, but the most he's ever had in a career was six. So, um, again, I think they're off to a good start. Um, but I still think this, this uh, pass rush is a couple years away. I do like who they have on the interior with Maurice Hurst and T.J. Hall. Um, they got some good, some good pass rushers from the interior. But, um, again, I, I wouldn't expect a, a huge improvement this year. Um, it's definitely a work in progress. Again, the Raiders coming off that Monday night football game where three players in particular, I, I think, looked really good. Josh Jacobs, uh, Darren Waller, and Tyrell Williams. Who's the offensive skill position player to watch for you today, Evan? For me, it's definitely Josh Jacobs. And and the reason why, I think uh, Gruden knows how important it's going to be in in today's game to keep that uh, explosive Chiefs offense off the field and and to try to slow it down as much as you can. And I think you do that by by running the ball, trying to control the tempo of the game, um, trying to impose your physical offensive line's will on that Chiefs defense, and just trying to keep Patrick Mahomes and, and that explosive offense off the field. Now, Jacobs did have a very good debut last week. Um, he carried the ball 23 times for 85 yards, and he was involved a little bit in the passing game. And I, I would expect a similar game plan um, this week against the Chiefs. I would expect to see a heavy dose of Josh Jacobs. Yeah, John Gruden really likes to stick with guys, and and I, you know, in in a league that's becoming more running back by committee, Jacobs looks like that type of guy that might be a bell cow for them. Uh, I want to flip the switch and, and go to the defensive side of the football. Who's the Raiders' defensive player to watch today for you? Well, I, I think um, a major uh, matchup problem for the Raiders defensively is going to be who who is going to be trying to slow down Travis Kelsey. I went back and looked. 
in the two games against the Raiders last year, Kelsey combined had 17 receptions for 230 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so I think this is going to be a major um, focal point for the Raiders. There's no Tyree Kill, we know that. So I think you could see um, Kelsey even a larger part of the game plan going forward. So um, it's going to be up to one of those safeties. I'm not sure who they're going to have trying to slow down Kelsey um, without John. And Abrams now, who who uh, was lost for the season last week with with a torn rotator cuff, uh, we could see a combination of Eric Harris, who's more of a bigger body safety. Uh, he's a little bit more physical. Uh, we could see him uh, spending some time on Kelsey, or it could be Carl Joseph, who in the past has had a struggle trying to guard uh, Kelsey because he's more of a smaller uh, safety that to kind of use up in the box, blitzing that kind of thing. So. I think it's going to, you need to focus on Eric Harris, both of the safeties, Eric Harris and Carl Joseph. Okay, that, that, that's great Great information. Uh, great stuff, Evan. I want to get you out on this. Uh, just a game prediction for today. Uh, score and, and just a couple reasons why. Well, you know, I, I think the Raiders did look very good last week. Um, and there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype right now in Raider Nation about this game. I think expectations are very high. I tend to be a little bit more realistic. I don't think this is a game that the Raiders um, will win. I think they'll be very competitive. I think it'll be uh, much like the first meeting in last year where um, it was a high-scoring affair. Um, I don't know if the Raiders keep it as close, but um, I I do see it being maybe a 10- or 14-point victory by the Chiefs. And, again, I I just think um, the the Raiders just aren't ready yet, if that makes any sense. You know, they're, they're showing improvements. Um, the defense looks good last week, but I just don't know if they're ready to compete with the likes of, of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the voice of staff writer Evan Grote. You can catch him on Twitter at egrote5 and his writings on silverandblackpride.com. Evan, enjoy the game today. Hey, Pete, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Everyone enjoy the game. It's Evan Grote, uh, obviously a nice member of Raider Nation. I don't <laughs> think, I don't think every, every member of Raider Nation is, is as nice. At least not nice to Kansas City. No, of course. Uh, and and uh, some good takeaways from there yeah. uh, that we haven't really touched upon. Uh, the guards, both being backups, is a huge point for Chris Jones. And, and that might might have gotten missed by us. I, I think Jones might be the one that we should be predicting two sacks for. I mean, he had 15 and a half last year. Yeah, and, you know, he's kind of quiet week one. And we'll see. You know, I don't know if they're going to be able to run the same kind of stunt and twist game up front that right. they've been able to because of the ball getting out so quickly. So you might need to rely on a guy like Chris Jones going up against the likes of Former Chief Jordan Devy, who is uh, expected. J Devs. J Devs. I, I guess that's his name. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I he's a guy that, you know, the Chiefs are going to be able to line Chris Jones up against some this week. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're able to get some interior pressure. And that, that, again, that's the fastest route to the quarterback. Get Derek, Derek Carr um, uncomfortable in his face. Let the ball sail on him. Juan Thornhill, Juan Thornhill gets his first career interception. And I think Josh Jacobs, too. Josh Jacobs looked great. Uh, on Monday night. Yeah. He really did. And, and the Chiefs did did their best to maintain Leonard Fournette. And I think one of the points last year is every week it seemed like that the opposing running back would run at will. This is going to be a nice test for this new defense. Absolutely. Uh, it, he's Josh Jacobs is a dynamic he's talent. He's, he's a legit. dynamic talent. And he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield and run the football. He's more dynamic than Leonard Fournette was. Fournette, you kind of know what to expect with him. It's a bulldozer running down the field. And in with Jacobs, you're getting a guy that has a little bit of ability in the passing game, and uh, that he's going to be a big key to to slowing down this offense for sure. 
Yeah, and I, and I think the Raiders, and, and as hard as it is to say, I think they nailed on the rookies. I think they nailed on Jacobs. We'll see about Farrell. Farrell. Jonathan Abram in the one look looks really good before he's injured, and I think that's a huge point to watch today. You take Abram out of the mix, there's not a lot of safeties who could cover Travis Kelsey in the National Football League. They just can't, and so I think he's going to be a huge point to watch today. He's a nightmare. He's a matchup nightmare for teams that have good safeties. Right. I mean, and that's exactly. just the and now you're now you're getting into the backups and the and the plans that the Raiders didn't you know prepare for. Absolutely, and and I, this could very well be a Travis Kelsey game. I and I kind of talked about alluded to it earlier. I think he could have a lot of success this week. Uh, one of Sammy Watkins and Tra- or Travis Kelsey is going to eat most likely, and I'm sure the running backs are going to have a lot of success this week too. Yeah, that's I, I like that segment, man. That's that's a uh, segment we'll do each week. It's called Behind Enemy Lines, where you'll get to hear some insight from the other side. And of course, Evan Grote catches stuff at SilverAndBlackPride.com. It's the Arrowhead Pride tailgate, as uh, driven by Aristocrat Motors, Kansas City's home of luxury automobiles. For over 50 years, when we come back, Kent and I will give our reasons as to why the Chiefs will win or lose, uh, things that have to happen for those things to happen, and, of course, our premier picks. It's coming up next. The Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show, driven by Aristocrat Motors. Now back to the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Show. Here's Pete Sweeney and Kent Swanson. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Tailgate Program. Uh, course driven by aristocrat motors kansas city's home of luxury automobiles for over 50 years pete sweeney here across from kent swanson of arrowheadpride.com nick price uh, behind the glass uh, wrapping up the pregame show we'll lead right into cody taps on deck show the royals play the houston astros uh, today wrapping up baseball season it's crazy how fast it goes into week two of the nfl chiefs raiders begins at 305 arrowhead times so a little bit of time in between the tailgate and the game today. Yeah, I'm I'm anxious. I, this isn't helping me, Pete, because I just I really want to get to this football game. I'm really excited for it to happen, but obviously we've got the Royals here too, uh, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens out there at the K today. Yeah, we got about 14, 15 more minutes of this program, so we're going to give our final predictions uh, for the game coming up in just a little bit. But right now, it's the Chiefs win. Chiefs win if the Chiefs win if. To me, today is about protecting Patrick Mahomes, right? If the protection is there, and again, Eric Fisher unlikely to play because he pulled his groin in practice on Friday, and Cam Irving could be then in there at left tackle. And that, to me, is a deficiency. So how do you protect Pat? I mean, you might have to have some running backs in there chipping, uh, maybe an extra offensive lineman, maybe using Travis Kelsey in a way that's blocking in certain formations. Uh, but if you can protect Patrick Mahomes, I'm taking Mahomes over Jared Carr one million times, one million, every single time I would take Mahomes over Carr. And I think there's a lot of things that the Chiefs can do to help protect Mahomes. I mean, keep a tight end in, keep a back in, keep both in and try to get the ball down the field, get the ball out of his hands quickly. There's a lot of different things that they're going to be able to do to help Patrick Mahomes uh, stay protected, maybe not have to you know, work with that ankle that much, not having to move out of the pocket, not having to create as much I think that'll be key is just trying to manage how many times he has to do that. Is that your item to watch? No, my item to watch is disrupting Derek Carr. The Chiefs will win if they can disrupt the quick passing game of Derek Carr, if they can make him feel uncomfortable in the pocket, if they can, you know, Steve Spagnuolo mentioned disrupting the targets, you know, being able to try to disrupt the timing of the the route runners. And if they can do that, they can really affect Derek Carr's ability to get the ball out of his hands, feel confident in what he's seeing. I think that'll be a big factor in this game because 
if they can slow down the offense enough, Patrick Mahomes will do more than just enough to 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 win this football game. For them. There's there's so much to the game of, of Carr, and I, I said before, guys like Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady who get the ball out quickly. A lot of times you need the coverage to be there because they're trying to do that, right? So you got to get them to hold the football. So coverage is going to be huge. And, and again, I it's crazy. And we've talked about it for a week. You have Fitzpatrick news coming out of Miami and Chiefs fans go crazy because it's going to be eyes on the cornerback today. Absolutely. And last week, the Chiefs played 85% zone. I anticipate they're going to play a little bit more man this week just because they want to be up in the face of the the, uh, pass catchers for the Raiders, try to help disrupt at the line of scrimmage. So that's the Chiefs win if. Let's go to the other side. The Chiefs lose if. So... It can happen. You never know. Chiefs are eight-point favorites today, but it's possible. But crazier things have happened in the NFL and division games. I think for the Chiefs to lose, Josh Jacobs has to have wild success running the football because if he does and the Chiefs' run defense isn't there, they can stretch out games, right? So what's the way to beat the Chiefs? It's to score every time you have the football and limit possessions for Patrick Mahomes. He's the MVP of the National Football League. So if Josh Jacobs is running all over the Chiefs, you could stretch drives out for eight minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes. I think that's how the Raiders win this football game. Yeah, and uh, the teams that have had success, you know, against the Chiefs the last half of the year were the teams that tried to play ball control. I mean, that was that yeah. was what, I mean, they the Ravens come to mind. The Ravens, the Chargers the second time around. Yep. And obviously, we don't want to talk about it again, really, but the New England Patriots did the exact same thing, too. They all had a lot of success, you know, trying to limit the possessions, slow the game down. And and the Chiefs got bullied at the line of scrimmage a lot. For me, it's it all comes down to if Patrick Mahomes is healthy enough to win this football game. The only thing that can keep the Chiefs from losing or from from winning this football <laughs> is game Moore, is Matt Moore entering the game. Is that what it is? No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to be functional enough. And it doesn't have to mean that he has to be the t- typical Pat Mahomes that we see all the time. If he's eighty percent of Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to win this football game even though they're playing on the road in a big rivalry game in an emotional game in Oakland. Where would you rank, and I thought this was interesting last week to think about, Patrick Mahomes on one foot, where would you rank him? Like like he looked right after the injury. I would still say probably like 14th or 15th in the in the, in the, in the league yeah, on one foot. He was, he absolutely. I mean, that's crazy <laughs> yeah. to think about, but yeah. he played like Derek Carr typically does and he was right. better at it than Derek Carr is. Right, right. I mean, he was just dinking and dunking, getting the ball out of his hands quick. He was a stationary target. He couldn't move. He wasn't really, like, he was really favoring that ankle. And I think that's why everybody's been so scared this week because of how rough he looked trying to favor that thing. But, no, Patrick Mahomes is a stationary target. I kind of made the joke. We basically saw the 42-year-old version of Patrick Mahomes, and he was still very good. Right. So the next 18 years are going to be special whether or not. 18 years, Kent. In two days, he turns 24 years old. That's really weird Uh, that I know that. But 18 years from now, he'll be 42, and that's going to be the Patrick Mahomes you see dinking and dunking. We're going to have to send Bink out to get a cake, and we'll sing to Patrick Mahomes a little bit later. There Um, there we go. I like it. Happy birthday to uh, QB1. Uh, So that wraps up the Chiefs win if and the Chiefs lose if. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, right, like, it's Patrick Mahomes versus Derek Carr. Right. At the you know you, you can you can talk about all the ways that that this game could break down for the Chiefs, but just the idea of Carr beating Mahomes, it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Yeah, and I saw someone on Twitter today. I think it was uh, Chief Bearcat on Twitter. Find him; he's a great follow. 
Really good with cap stuff. He's really good with the cap stuff, but he made a good football point today. Oh, wow. Uh, For once. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) You're going to get it for that. He said it was an Andy Reid game. And that's so true. There's there's a couple things. Andy Reid is such... These are the places that Andy Reid's thrived in the past. And, you know, he's had lesser talents at quarterback like Alex Smith, and he's had a lot of success within the division. Andy Reid teams typically own the division. So, you know, even if the game plan's altered slightly... They've spent a lot of time trying to prepare for the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. This is a game that they've got to lean on Andy Reid's ability to break down uh, a divisional rival. And, you know, he's got to be creative. He's got to run some of the stuff that, you know, that he's maybe they expose a few things that they weren't planning to this week just to try to help, you know, generate some yards. Andy Reid, here's the thing, Pete. (laughs) I, I feel a little disappointed that we were deprived of getting to see the Chiefs full bore for an entire game last week. Right. Because I'm just telling you, they were scoring at will on one of the best defenses in football, and it looked easy. And it could have been so much worse than 40 points. <laughs> but Patrick Mahomes was hobbled. Tyreek Hill got injured fast. I and told people that. I told w- people that going it, into that game. It was terrifying. Andy Reid, he's on one right now. He's riding the heater. And, and <laughs> we didn't even get to see remotely close to what this thing could be down the road. And maybe it winds up being a good thing that there's injuries because they can, you know, hold some of that stuff back for later in the year. Coming up less than 10 minutes away from the on deck show with Cody Tapp. And then after the game tonight, it's the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. Uh, I'm sorry, the Arrowhead Pride postgame show. Immediately following the game, myself and Jay Binkley will be taking your calls. 913-576-7610. Or you can get involved, as always, with the Protein House. E with a purpose text line 69306. Uh, the Arrowhead Pride postgame show is sponsor, uh, presented by 7th Street Casino, where it's at right now. It's time for Premier Picks. Premier Picks is brought to you by Aristocrat Motors, Kansas City's home of luxury automobiles for over 50 years. Kent, we'll start with you. Score, uh, prediction, and, and a couple reasons why. So this game's going to be tighter than I, than, I, than I would like it to, just because of some of the factors that we've been discussing here uh, with Patrick Mahomes' injury, with Eric Fisher's injury with, you know, maybe having to alter the game plan. Maybe they're not able to be quite as explosive, explosive, explosive as they typically are. Right. I've got the Chiefs still winning this game 27-23. So I have the Raiders covering this game, covering the seven-point spread. I think you said it was up to eight. Is that right? I saw it at eight. It could be down to seven. Okay. Well, I still have the Chiefs. I have the I have the Raiders covering, but I do have the Chiefs winning. I, I think they might. Uh, it might be a, a late touchdown for the Raiders that makes this a little bit closer than this than the, you know than you would like it to. If the Chiefs get out into enough of a lead, maybe Andy Reid goes and sits on the football a little bit more in the second half to protect his quarterback and just get out of there with a win. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it's just win and win, however it looks like. It's not a day where you need to see outstanding. I mean, just have one more point than the other team. Yep. I tend to think I'm going to stick with my score prediction, even with this late offensive line change. I think the Chiefs ultimately win this game 37 to 27. I, I, I'll be honest. I just like the way the Raiders looked. And I, and I know and understand the Denver Broncos are probably on the decline. I mean, they have Joe Flacco, far, far cry from Patrick Mahomes. But they, they, far cry. But they looked like at least the third best team in the division. You know, I just think they're so far ahead of the Broncos right now, and they're young. I think they're probably a year away from actually being within that playoff mix, and I think you see 
Uh, Josh Jacobs have a good game today. I think Darren Waller is a really good player. Yep. He looks like he could be a top-five tight end in the National Football League. I think they that this is a game for the first two quarters. And if we still had a halftime show, we might get some calls at halftime saying, what's going on? But I think the Chiefs ultimately figure it out in the locker room, and they come out in the second half and pull away. Again, a 37-27 to 27 victory. It was pretty close last week, uh, so, so uh, stick with me. Oh, that's, that's it, say. You were You were pretty close last week with your prediction? Yeah. Good as, for you. As usual. I was. I think I was a little. As bit per usual, uh, <laughs> six nine uh, six nine three zero six protein house. Eat with a purpose. Text line. We got a little question here coming in. Uh, Cam Irving or Martinez Rankin at left tackle again. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport said um, that Fisher is a long shot to play with a groin injury. I don't think we see Rankin quite yet. Yeah, Martinez Rankin. If you don't know, he was acquired at the uh, at the cut down. Sounds date. like a figure skater in the winter Olympics. <laughs> a little bit. You're not wrong. Uh, he got traded for Carlos Hyde to the Houston Texans, and uh, I really like him. He was a 2018 draft pick. He was uh, a top 80 pick, I believe, in the uh, in the NFL draft just a year ago, and he's got a, a lot of ability to play along the offensive line. He's kind of like Cam Irving with a little more hope, honestly. Uh, maybe not as strong, but he moves well. He's going to be a good player. They're going to develop him, uh, but he's not remotely ready, I don't think, just because uh, he's only been here for a couple weeks. As the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and I was just thinking as you were talking, it might be worth compiling a list of every former first and second round pick in the National <laughs> Football League because Brett Veach goes by, I think, his original book and looks, in, uh, is this guy available? Okay, let's just get him in front of our coaching staff. That's one of the things that I really like about, about Brett, Brett Veach is he believes in his process. He believes in his group's processes as evaluators, and he, he leans on what they've seen out of players in the past because he believes that this coaching staff can get the most out of him. And you've seen him do it with the likes of Reggie Ragland and you likes of Cam Irving. You know, Is Reggie Ragland, too? That's another point. Is Reggie Ragland going to be active this week? He was inactive last week. I don't think he's going to be active. I think he's, you know, he's a good football player, but he doesn't play on special teams. And so if you're not going to be playing on special teams, you're going to have a hard time if you're not one of the starting linebackers getting active. He's kind of an insurance policy, I think, at this point. You saw him trying to play it as the Sam linebacker play as the Mike linebacker play a few different spots. And I think he's just kind of depth. But Ben Neiman has taken over a role, you know, because of his special teams ability. And I think they like him, you know, as a Mike backer and maybe even potentially as a Sam in, in some spots. I just think Ben Neiman is a better player than Reggie Ragland. I mean I hate hate to say that. I he just, might be I just I you know and I, I think that's a simple case of why uh, it's been Neiman over Raglan. Raglan isn't really a special teams guy either, and, and you need those uh, end of your roster players to play on teams. That's that's exactly why Reggie Raglan is inactive, and uh, I, I would anticipate he's probably going to be inactive this week. He kind of tweeted out and why poor Garrick Dieter, besides his back, is not on the team. Oh uh, yeah, poor one out for Garrick Dieter. He was uh, released, I believe, this week. Waived released. Yeah, no one no one uh, picked him up. I just wonder what's going on with him. Uh, it's for another day, but yeah, this is a big game for the Chiefs. Uh, first game without Tyree Kill, who is one of the better players in the National Football League. Uh, how will they respond? You know, is Patrick Mahomes okay? I'm hoping Patrick Mahomes makes this look silly. You know, hopefully he, his ankle is all healed up right now. I mean, it's a week, it's a week out since he sprained it. Yeah, and I, I, I'm all for it. And I wouldn't put anything past Patrick Mahomes. He's exceeded expectations every step of the way to this point. So I don't know why. I believe in the kid, obviously. Uh, we'll see how how healthy he's able to uh, to to recover over. Let's a hope week. he looks at every receiver today. If you know, if, if he if he's <laughs> sure that he can. This might be the time to use the no look pass, as, as our friends Show and Vern would tell you that he should be looking at every receiver. <laughs> 
No, I like the no look. Never stop doing the no look, even though it didn't work last week. He's got to continue to run with that because that's a special trait. Just maybe be a little bit more judicious with it next time. I think there's a chance, too, in this game. You know, we were just talking about Eric Fisher probably being out. I think there's a chance that Irving plays so bad in the first half, you see a new left tackle in the second half. It's entirely that, possible. That's another bold prediction. That there's a lot of things that they could do. They could move uh, They could move Andrew Wiley out to left tackle, potentially. Jeff Allen, I believe, has played some tackle as well. Uh, who they wind up going with will tell you a lot about the roster construction moving forward, too, I think. You know, they've got 10 li- offensive linemen on the roster right now, I believe. So, you know, things could get moved around pretty easily. And, you know, maybe one of these offensive linemen is expendable down the road, depending on who they value here. Right. And, and, and again, I know Kansas City is cornerback crazy. I just think that's coming closer to the trade deadline. You know, I think that this, this is the team you got for a while now. I'd listen to, I'd listen to offers for me. I'd, I'd be trying to, I'd be trying to go get Minka Fitzpatrick if possible. I'll just be honest with you. He's a safety. I just want, I just want someone who plays the position. He plays slot I know, corner. I understand. He wants to I be understand. a corner. I think Kendall he, Fuller last year played better on the outside. I'll just tell you this. Mika Fitzpatrick's a better outside corner than Charvarius Ward right now. He makes this team he makes this team better and you have him under control for the next four seasons. I have a younger sister that might be a better cornerback than I mean Pete, right now. I I don't know about you, but I got a call from the Chiefs last week to try out at corner. <laughs> Well, that'll do it. Uh, don't forget the Arrowhead Pride postgame show uh, with myself and Jay Binkley presented by 7th Street Casino where it's at. comes right after the game. The game starts today at 3.05 p.m. in a couple of hours, so enjoy the early games. Uh, coming up next, it's the On Deck Show with Cody Tapp leading into Royals and Astros. We'll be back on uh, after the Chiefs game tonight. Thanks to Jay Binkley, and as Binkley always says, thanks to Arby's, Evan Grout, uh, Nick Price uh, behind the glass. Uh, For Kent Swanson, uh, Pete Sweeney, thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride tailgate. We will catch you after the game. This has been the Arrowhead Pride tailgate, driven by Albright Buick GMC Cadillac on 610 Sports Radio. Join us as we take your calls on the 7th Street Casino Arrowhead Pride postgame show.